0: I believe that we don't just have a mission ourselves as change agents. We and our audience, our tribe, our core group of people we're here to serve, have a shared mission. We are here to do a thing. And part of how we build an audience is speaking that reality into existence. When you are in your messaging, when you're on Facebook and Instagram and speaking to your list and on stages and doing keynotes, to name the thing that we are here together to do. And the people that are meant to join you will have some knowing inside of them that says, that's me.
1: Welcome to the Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks. If you're looking for the ideas that can be your breakthrough for change in your business, career, or personal life, then this podcast is for you. Join Adrian as he speaks on topics of personal and professional development for the individual and interviews a variety of entrepreneurs, business owners, and thought leaders to reveal their ideas and solutions to success and its challenges. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It's time to be a courageous creator of your own change and be purposeful about doing it.
2: Well, hello, welcome back to the Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks, and I'm excited to share a new episode with you. But before we get started, make sure you go ahead and download this podcast into your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the show. Today, I have a special guest on, and we're gonna talk about the power of messaging, getting into your core message, and also tapping into those core wounds, which is very interesting. So let's talk about Jeffrey's bio here. Jeffrey Van Dyke is an international speaker, strategist, And guide who works with highly successful leaders who have a calling to radically change the world. While at Microsoft, he personally designed speaking training systems to help world changing leaders like Peter Jennings, Bill Gates, and multiple heads of state share their message more effectively with the world through online technology. As two time president of the International Coach Federation in San Francisco, Jeffrey has spoken on stages in Australia, Europe, the Middle East, and across North America. Whoa. Known for his rare combination of keen inner sight and highly strategic business acumen, Jeffrey has a proven track record of helping leaders have a significant and lasting global impact. Jeffrey works with passionate, committed paradigm changers who know they are here to shake things up and activate humanity's new story. His clients have big callings and big visions for what's possible for their audience, industry, and the world, what they often don't have, which Jeffrey will talk about today is someone to help turn what they see, feel, and know into something tangible that can be built and launched. Jeffrey, welcome to the show, my friend.
0: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, it's great to have you. And I want to get into this topic here of conversation about being a messenger, because I find right now there's a lot of messages going around, and it's kind of hard to decide what message is authentic, what is true, what is not, and you have a tag phrase which I love the courageous messenger, and that ties into what I believe about being a courageous creator. Mm-hmm. What is a courageous messenger,
0: Jeffrey to me, you know there are those of us with a calling to help change the story that we're living and how we create our reality both for ourselves individually and for our collective society and collective experience is with the stories we tell okay uh. Some folks in this world are called to be paradigm changers, called to say, hey, there's another way, there's another path for us. Now, usually the, the folks that I work with usually get these insights in something that might experience as something sacred or spiritual or that deep gut sense of something that isn't necessarily logical at first mm-hmm. uh there's no proof that what you see as a new way of doing things will work or is the way uh the only thing you usually have is your own gut knowing mm-hmm. your own inner sense that this is true and i know it's true because i feel that it is true right so The first thing is you've got to self-validate when you are a paradigm changer, and that's courageous. It's courageous to say, I'm going to lay claim to this just because I say so, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is there are all sorts of people in the world who will be naysayers when you are doing something new, who won't get the vision, who don't get what you're up to, will tell you that you're nuts, it'll never work. Um, and so the question is, you know, do you listen to them and go, okay, let me recede into the background? <laughs> let me do what everybody else is doing. Or do I become a visionary who says, I get that some of these people won't be able to see it right now. And that's okay. I'm not here to get everyone to be first adopters. Mm. Uh, that's a very courageous act to go, I- I'm bringing this to the world because I know that I must.
2: Ooh. You know that you must. That is the key phrase for me. Knowing that you must. How did you come up with this phrase, courageous messenger? Does this happen with something in your life that triggered that? And you just <laughs> said, you know what, I want to create this phrase called courageous messenger?
0: It was, I don't know, a good number of years ago now. I was putting on a seminar and looking for a brand for this seminar. Mm-hmm. And uh One of these mornings, I was sitting in meditation, and it just popped into my consciousness. Oh, Mm. The Courageous Messenger. Ah. And as I sat with it, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. That's not just the brand for this event. I'm supposed to brand the company, The Courageous Messenger. And part of the move from using my own name, JeffreyVandyke.com, to The Courageous Messenger was a move from me being the primary kind of guru – which is how a lot of marketing in this space is usually positioned into it being about us as a community and our role in society. Um, And really wanted to move the attention from me as the primary thing to us as a uh, collective of people called to do a thing in the world.
2: Beautiful. I had the same type of kind of feeling when I developed what I was doing, because it started from just me first to about a collective group. I think that's where we can really get into serving people on a high level. And I love how you said that you you happened during meditation, because I feel like we have to go inward to find that true why or the purpose behind what we're doing. You know, I watched this video that you had, Jeffrey, and you spoke about, you spoke so eloquently about the reluctant messenger. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because I find that what you're doing is courageous. That's great. And but there's a lot of people who are not there yet. And they have these <laughs> traits and habits and they're just they're just not
0: connecting. So what makes a messenger reluctant? How does well, that happen? First, first let me say. I don't think anybody walks around in the world feeling courageous, even if they're acting (laughs) courageously, right? Like, I don't perceive myself as (laughs) courageous. I still experience myself with tons of reluctance, um, you know. And and so first, let me just say, like, I don't think anybody – even the most courageous people I know, when you actually talk to them, they're just putting one foot in front of the other and maybe have more willingness than other people. Or maybe they have a, uh, a bigger why behind them, a bigger impetus to act. Um, I don't remember what I was reading, but years ago, I remember reading something about courage and that none of us really know what our courage, what kind of courage we might have until it's called for. Hmm. You know, uh, I have a colleague who was in the concentration camps uh, during Nazi Germany. Oh. She's 88 and kicking ass so that circumstance pulled courage out of her because it was required hmm. you know yeah. and i think one of the challenges for a lot of us sitting at home in our offices we might have an inner calling to do something but the circumstance has to be one often created by ourselves or in a community because the world yes at a big level you know the world is in great need but in our daily you know, on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. <laughs> Are we really feeling that, you know? So, so to me, the reluctant messenger is this. No one I have worked with, and I'm including myself in this one, has ever said, oh, I woke up one day and just decided I would do this thing. Nobody has ever said that to me. They all say, this is a calling. It was placed on my heart. It's placed in my soul. It got activated inside of me, and something in me, back to that phrase, knows that I must do this thing. Hmm. Now, that's a soul thing. It's not a mental thing. Your mind can do all sorts of dances around that, right? All sorts of like, I don't want to, who am I? Am Am I crazy? What will people think? Uh, there's all sorts of reasons we go, uh, uh-uh. or what I see for most people when they're in the reluctant messenger camp is one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, right? I'm yeah. trying to do this thing and I'm pulling back from it at the same time. And then wondering why the, you know, vehicle isn't really getting where I think it should go. So first I just want to normalize it. I don't know anybody who has a calling that hasn't had reluctance around answering the calling. There are costs to answering your calling. Your life will not be the same if you answer your calling. Uh, There are relationship changes that are likely to occur. Some of the clients or friends or maybe even close people in your life won't necessarily be able to go where you're going Hmm. if you answer your calling. Your calling will take you more deeply into you than almost anything else in the world because it will call out, who you must be to answer the call
2: interesting i like that and what are some of the costs that people will have to possibly go through can we give some examples so you mentioned yeah, one so, with relationships possibly but what are some other things that we should be well, aware there,
0: of a, uh, you know from a from a really nothing bold standpoint are like business changes um okay. i'm working with a very highly successful real estate developer as one of my clients right now for example Um, He got this calling, this vision about a way to develop real estate that when people enter these buildings, they drop more deeply into who they are. The call is use real estate as a way to help people with self-actualization. Now, nobody in the real estate world is talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a thing yet, right? He's the person to make it a thing, make it the new standard. That said... His business will change as a result. The work he used to do won't be the work that he engages in anymore, right? Okay. So the question, and, and as I've grown, let me make it a little, uh, a little more subtle. I've been doing some variation of what I do for sixteen years, right? Left Microsoft, have been coaching, et cetera, uh, since then. But the format and framing of what I do and who I do it with has changed over time. There are people, and I've got people in my world who've been following my work for a decade or more, and some of those people at certain times can't go with me where I'm going, you know? Uh, it was only in the last year or two that I really started speaking specifically to paradigm changers. I used to talk with people about you know their life purpose and making their purpose their work and the marketing side of that. So anybody that's doing purposeful work, I can work with you around your marketing. But now I've put a hard stop on that. If you aren't up to paradigm change in one way, shape, or form, I'm not your guy anymore. And when I really made that declaration, frankly, it was scary because I'm like, I don't know how many paradigm changers are on my list. I don't know how many buyers I will have for this kind of work. I don't even Mm -hmm. know if my list will respond to this conversation, Hmm. right? I don't even know. I don't know how to market helping paradigm changers. And uh, it took me a while to even get to the point where I go, oh, yeah, okay. What I'm doing for paradigm changers is packaging. That's my packaging and messaging, right? That's where my genius zone lies, um, in terms of the external, why are you paying me piece,
2: <laughs> right? right?
0: But, but, you know, that, that, that piece of, are, is my audience going to come along? And the answer is not everybody will. Yeah. The other answer, though, is that there are always people waiting for you in the place you haven't yet gone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this real estate agent client I mentioned, he would not have been my client two years ago. I wasn't in the place to serve him two years ago, you Mm -hmm. know? So a lot of the concern is I know what I'm leaving in my business, but there are no guarantees in where I'm going yet. Okay. And uh, that's the reluctance, right? So bottom line, will I be able to pay my mortgage?
2: (laughs) That's a good question, right? That's a question we all have at the end of the day. And I like that idea of the reluctance because if – one thing you said that really stood out to me was – one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. Yeah. And there's this part of us that goes, but then we stop. And then we hesitate. And then sometimes we go backwards. And this reluctance can come across to a lot of people as, do they really know what they're doing? Are they really trustworthy? Uh, what's going on here? Is there something that's not yeah. connecting? And I want to talk about now this, now that we can move from a reluctant state, how does one become an effective communicator? Jeffrey, because you specialize in this and you have, of course, in your bio set many great people up with these programs to help them be more effective. But could you give us a little bit today, just maybe a couple of clues about what it's like to be an effective communicator?
0: Yeah. So I'll I'll speak to a few things and then we can get maybe into some of the mechanics of the how we get there. Okay. To me, the bottom line with being effective communicator is how deeply are you connecting with your people? Mm. Okay. If you're not connecting, they're not going to follow you, full stop. And connection to me happens on three levels. Traditionally in marketing, we, we say people buy with emotion and justify with logic, right? So you need to speak to their heart, you need to speak to their head. I say there's a third arena we must activate as well, which is the energetic arena, or another way to say it would be their body. Does their gut, does there something in them go, I don't know why I'm drawn to this person, but I just am. I want to lean in. Right, and that's not just a heart thing, and that's not just a head thing. That's a body. Th- My body physically is leaning in. That's an energetic draw, and we know that so much communication doesn't happen verbally, <laughs> right? Right, uh, right. There's so much that happens on the energetics because I believe every single audience member, if you're entering paradigm change, which is I'm leaving the known world. I'm choosing to leave the known world, which is scary as hell, right? And this is whether you're an individual or an industry or a company or whatever you're working with, like if you're bringing them into the unknown, that is scary. And so the unspoken question that every audience member has, if you're a paradigm changer, is this. If I lean in and go on this journey with me, do you have the capacity to hold me? are you going to crumble under the weight of it? Mm. That's it, right? Are you going to drop me or can you hold me? And if I don't have a physical, energetic body sense that you can hold me, if I go on this journey with you, no way I'm going. I'm going to go, yep, that makes sense to my mind. I like what you're saying. (laughs) Yes, you moved my heart with your stories. I feel connected to you. But my body doesn't trust me to go on the journey with you.
2: And that is key.
0: So, I I don't really hear much of that spoken about in the world of messaging and communication, because usually we're talking about words, and words are great. Uh, Words are best, though, when they're lined up, when when the mental conversation, the heart conversation, and the body conversation all works, when it's all lined up, right? And then we go, oh, let's go. Let's rock and roll. And those are the real leaders we trust and follow, particularly, again, around paradigm change. Paradigm change, paradigm is the way in which you see the world and the way in which you see yourself. And that's as an individual or we as a company, we are this as a company. This is how we see ourselves. Or as an industry, this is how we see ourselves. And so when you're a paradigm changer, you're changing the conversation at the identity level. This is how I know who I am and how I see the world. And of course, the ego's number one job is to create and maintain a consistent sense of identity. So that's
2: correct. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, like, That's that.
0: the scariest <laughs> stuff you can do is leave and lose that consistent sense of identity, entering liminal space, that space between spaces where you don't know who you are anymore mm-hmm. before a new sense of I and we emerges. So to me, that's a lot of You know, what we have to do as messengers is is connect deeply, build trust from that kind of energetic, physical sense, build connection in the heart sense, and have our minds go, that makes sense. Now I can go on the journey with you. Hmm. So then the question is, how do we do that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So how do we do that? And I I like that, you know? And I love this idea of this part of this piece of going back to the self. And it reminds me of something I listened to this morning with Earl Nightingale. He talked about integrity and that being the, for him, the seed of achievement. But when, with integrity comes trust and honesty, the honesty with ourselves, trust with ourselves and our audiences. And I think that we're in this time and era now, Jeffrey, where I love what you're doing because many of the leaders out here, I think we're losing that perspective of getting back to that part of ourselves where we can energetically connect authentically and honestly with our audiences, because. They're wanting someone to trust. They're wanting someone to, like you said, hey, are you going to drop me? Are you going to crumble? Are you going to carry me along here? And this thing that you're doing now, this marketing strategy of helping leaders get to that place is absolutely phenomenal. And I want to tap into this marketing strategy a little bit here because you talk about going into the core wounds of the individual as a means of expression, which you just mentioned earlier, which I find interesting because with marketing – we tend to do the opposite. We tap into the core wounds or we would say the wants and needs of our clients or our industry. But what you're doing is you're rewiring this back to the messenger, which I find kind of interesting. So why even go there? And what does this do for that person if they're tapping to their core wounds?
0: Yeah. One of the things that I find is the biggest challenge for a lot of messengers is answering the question, why me? Mm. The imposter okay. syndrome thing, you know, yeah. especially when you have that sense of I'm answering some some internal calling that I don't necessarily have some external validation for, why me? Mm-hmm. And if we don't answer that, that solidity inside of ourselves that can put a stake in the ground for others to be a champion for them, to use, to use your uh, terminology, mm-hmm. it's not there. So, years ago, I worked with uh, a woman, Suzanne Falter, who was one of the big online platform building experts in the market. And uh, I had been trained in this life purpose methodology. And I thought, well, uh," (laughs) I met her at this conference and she said something that struck me so deeply. She said, Your platform is the one square inch you can drill a mile deep in the market.
2: Whoa.
0: And I thought, well, hell! you just <laughs> named the big challenge because most people don't know where that one square inch is, so they never yeah. drill a mile deep, right? And when you can't drill a mile deep, you never become known for something. Exactly. And you can't build a brand and build a movement around it. So I thought, okay, hmm. well, I'm going to help people bring bring this life purpose methodology to platform building, help them find their purpose. We'll know the one square inch and we can drill a mile deep. Bada boom, bada bing, right? Love it. Didn't work out quite like that. (laughs) First, it was too, too much work and too clunky. But second, I found that people started to freak out about power issues when we branded them. We'd build a brand and they'd go, holy crap, that could be a multi-million dollar brand. And something inside of them would say, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right? And it can be both the who am I voices, the, imposter the deflation syndrome. voices, right? Imposter uh-huh. syndrome. But it can also be the I don't trust myself with that kind of power. Ooh. The I other side that of it. one, hmm. right? Uh, frankly, by the way, with the leaders I work with, that's a much bigger issue. Speaking of integrity, because wherever the wobble is, it's going to grow with your success. When you 10x your success, you 10x your mess, Mm. So you've got to attend to where that wobble is. So anyway, so I started working with people on their issues around power, the core wounds around power. Um, and over time, Suzanne would say, you know, I worked with so-and-so, here's the brand, here's the market, here's the market's craving. And and I'd say, well, of course it is. Like, given who they are and what they've been through and what they lived, uh, the stories that I've heard working with them around their power issues, of course that's the market. Of course it's the market's craving. And after a while, I thought, well, gosh, could we reverse engineer this? Could mm-hmm. we start by looking at someone's life's journey as the training program for their life's work mm-hmm. and see both who they are, who they're meant to work with, and what they're meant to do for that audience? So and that's it. been the foundation of the work I've done for well over a decade now. So I'll give you a quick example. Okay. Worked with a consul- uh, you know executive consultant in Silicon Valley came to me. He had really good um, inbound marketing. He was well-respected and had a lot of referrals, but he had awful outbound marketing because he he had no positioning in the market. <laughs> he was like just generic executive consultant guy. So he came to me. We did th- this process I do called Your Life PhD, um, where we get to the root of what life trained you in. And um, we look at it from a pattern level. He was given up for his uh, adoption. His wife left him for his business partner. It was betrayal, 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 all the way through in, in, in the life history. So I said, okay, your, your PhD, what, the landscape you know in and out is around betrayal. He looked at me like I was wow. a three headed monster and was <laughs> like, how is this going to help me market? Right. And I said, okay, pattern wise, not the details of your life, right? So you're not necessarily going to work with people who are giving up for adoption, right? (laughs) Pattern-wise, though, your best clients are going to share this pattern. And you are going to know the ins and outs of who these people are and how they work with more detail and depth than most people on the planet. So let's follow the pattern. We start at the bottom and we follow these stair steps up to the surface level of where you meet people. For him, okay, if you have... Betrayal, you don't trust people readily. If you're an executive and you don't trust people, where is it going to cost you? Well, it's going to cost you when you don't trust your executive team. Okay, if you're a CEO in Silicon Valley at a small to medium startup and you don't trust your executive team, what's going to (laughs) happen? Well, that CEO is going to become a bottleneck. If you become a bottleneck as a CEO in a small to mid-sized startup in Silicon Valley, then what happens? (laughs) Oh, Innovation will slow down or come to a halt. And then what happens? Well, then you're dead or get sold, right? I used to work in one of these companies. We called it the Barry effect. Uh, Barry I was on effect. a feature triage team. We would uh, green light certain uh, features to build. They'd get all the way into beta, and Barry would come in and be like, eh, I don't like it, and just trash it. <laughs> uh, sure enough, he got ousted. The board brought in a new guy who was expert at selling companies, positioning them for sale, and we got sold, thankfully, because otherwise we would have died. So we positioned him as an innovation consultant for small to mid-size startups in Silicon Valley, knowing that when he consults with them uh, to potentially bring a customer on, he starts with this. Tell me about your executive team. Trust them? Do you rely on them? Right? Right. He interviews the executive team members as well before he'll take on the gig. Hmm. He's looking for, is this the root cause of why innovation has slowed down or or halted? Because if it is, I'm going to know the ins and outs of not just the business side, which he has great business acumen, but also the trust building side and for every customer There is a transactional result we promise. That's the nuts and bolts thing that our brain says, I'm paying you for this. In my Mm -hmm. world, people come to me to help them package their work so they can deliver it. Right? That's what they're paying me for. But there's also a transformational journey. This is the X, Y axes. Okay. The transformational journey is who must you become to both get and maintain the result I deliver. This guy, if he came in and did just the business side but didn't address the trust side, it wouldn't work. It would fall apart. At least the moment he left, it would fall apart, right? And so the one square inch he can drill a mile deep is where this transaction of innovation consultancy and transformation of trust building Come together. And no one else on the planet does that the way he does for this customer base. And I believe every single one of us has a place where we have zero competition. And it is this one square inch we can drill a mile deep in the market.
2: Whoa, that is deep, literally. (laughs) And this whole idea of going into core wounds of the individual that's why that happened. He was able to help with that feeling of betrayal or lack of trust.
0: Yeah. And what I love every time we do this with people. And we name what the PhD is. We do a two-hour intake as part of this, right? we ask them, what happened? How did you feel? What did you crave? What did you do? What skills did you develop? And what beliefs did you adopt? Those are the six primary questions. By the time we get to the end of that, almost every time, Adrian, people have this like, holy crap. They start to see why every great client was the great client that they were, why certain clients weren't great clients. They start to see, oh, that's what I'm actually doing. I've never been able to put words to it, but yeah, that's what I'm actually doing. And the ownership piece of, well, of course, I'm the one to do this. My entire life prepared me to know and do this thing. And that's when that ownership piece really drops into place for people. I love it. And the fact
2: that you're saying that just gives me goosebumps because I'm thinking about what I was doing with my messaging. My messaging is about changes and challenges because I went through so many unexpected challenges and changes throughout my life, and I hated it. And to this day, I still don't like them, but I'm intrigued by them. And so this is why I love talking about the idea of being a champion in your life and to champion through your challenges. So this perspective that you're bringing to us today, Jeffrey, is absolutely phenomenal. And I love this idea of the PhD of life. I was just thinking about that when you mentioned it. I'm like, wow, wow. If, as communicators, if we can sit down and say, okay, what has been my PhD throughout? Then yeah. that can be that core messaging that can get to people. And I want to talk about a post that you had on your Instagram. And I, like I said, I had to go and troll and see about you, Jeffrey, <laughs> I was so do. intrigued. So there was a post that you had. And I want to read it quickly. Just like the acorn knows to become the oak, humanity is in its own evolution right now. The seed of humanity's potential exists inside of humanity. It knows what's possible and knows where it can go. It knows the oak inside. And for the listeners today, go to Jeffrey's Instagram page to read more on that post in full detail. But I want to talk about now this humanity perspective. Mm -hmm. Because there's a big thing that you're talking about with leaders. That is activating humanity's new story, which I find absolutely phenomenal. So what do you think that story is for humanity though Jeffrey? Is there a particular story or does it differ from person to person?
0: I'm going to put it in a language that works for me and I okay. don't believe that this has to be the only language for it. Okay. Uh so for me it's heaven on earth. It's all right. You know and 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 I have a colleague, Martin Root, who runs this organization, Project Heaven and Earth. And he's interviewed literally thousands of people from around the world, uh, from every continent, every religion, no religion at all, and asked them about a heaven and earth experience they've had. When have you experienced heaven and earth? And he said, every single person has an answer. Hmm. It's baked in. We all have some intrinsic understanding of what heaven and earth is. So at the broadest level, to me, that's what it is. More specifically, uh, the people I work with are all what I consider liberators. They're bringing work and messages of liberation to the world. So a lot of what's not working in the world is around the various ways we experience oppression in ourselves and groups, one group in relationship to another. To me, there's uh, these stories, uh, new ways to look at things, new ways to understand things, new ways to understand who we are. And there are messages that the way I experience it is almost like they're floating in the collective consciousness. You know, they're in the zeitgeist, yeah. just waiting for somebody to raise their hand and say, I'll host that conversation. I'll lead that one. Right. I had somebody on my podcast who does uh, reverse mentoring, which is usually when a junior member in an organization mentors a senior member um, to give them that experience. Right. She flipped it and is doing it specifically in the DEI space, uh, using marginalized voices in an organization to mentor uh, like she's a black woman in England in I'm going to guess her thirties, maybe, I don't know. Right. She started by mentoring a senior member at Virgin uh, where she works, right. Uh, A white man, a white cisgender man. Mm -hmm. Right. So to me, that's part of humanity's new story is, Oh, there is a world where everyone has a voice. Absolutely. Right. Where, where everyone has a place and everyone has a voice. And, She's someone who's saying, oh, and guess what? Ted, not TEDx, Ted was like, we need to record you. They went to her flat in London and recorded her, put it on the Ted, uh, you know, main website. It got picked up by, I think, Penguin or Random House, a major publisher. She's coming out with her book this fall, right? Because wow. it's a, it was ripe and she picked it, you know, and, um, so for a lot of this work, it's, oh, I got to read this to you, Adrian. Um, Please do. Uh, there is a line. So there's a book called Cassandra Speaks and uh, Elizabeth Lesser wrote it. And it's about um, this. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Anyway, um, there is this line in it. Uh, this lady told her the story. And she said that the story was an answer to a question she didn't even know she was asking.
2: Wow. The story was an answer to a question she didn't even know she was asking.
0: And huh. I believe that all around the world, there are these unanswered questions. That the courageous messenger's job is to bring answers to these questions we didn't even know we were asking. Whoa.
2: That is going to be the quote of the show, Jeffrey, because I've just got some goosebumps. And it just reminded me, too, of like original ideas. I believe that ideas are not necessarily original, but they're waiting for someone to express themselves through that idea, which can be a sense of originality. You were mentioning about going in and saying, I'll take that one. I'll take this conversation. It's what we need right now in this day and time. I'll take this message. I'll deliver it it's so important because there's other sides of the story that have not been told. And what you're doing and teaching people is to dig into that core sense of self and to express themselves through a marketing strategy, which for you is groundbreaking because you're changing the game here. I see it happening and I'm very impressed with it overall. And I definitely want the listeners today to find out how they can connect further with you to learn more about your strategies and techniques. Is there any way they can connect with you easily or through email or through websites?
0: Yep. So the courageous messenger.com. It's an easy place. Uh you can find pretty much everything there. Um, I've got a podcast, the Jeffrey Van Dyke Show, so I can check that out. Yes. Uh, I've got a Facebook group called The Courageous Messenger. I do a live stream every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Uh so there's lots of ways to plug in that are free of charge um okay. and just to start to get into the work and and get into this world. I love it. Uh, I, I want to add this piece uh, before we go. Mhm. part of and this is the champion piece. Uh okay. one of the things I've been working most lately on with people is what I'm calling mission-based marketing. And it is that our audiences don't just want help solving their problems. They actually want to become the person that they're waiting to become. Absolutely. And okay. oftentimes as they do that their problems become null and void. They just fall apart. They just aren't there anymore because they aren't that person anymore. Um, I believe that we don't just have a mission ourselves as change agents. We and our audience, our tribe, our core group of people we're here to serve have a shared mission. We are here to do a thing. And part of how we build an audience is speaking that reality into existence when you are in your messaging, when you're on Facebook and Instagram and speaking to your list and on stages and doing keynotes, to name the thing that we are here together to do. And the people that are meant to join you will have some knowing inside of them that says, that's me. That's right. I am meant to be part of that mission. And what happens is not only do they see, feel seen and validated and understood, they also feel that there is a tribe of belonging for them where they don't have to do it alone. And that is a key critical thing for paradigm changers, those out on the edge that often feel so alone. Uh, and if there's one messaging tool I would give people, it's to start to... Really name, what is the thing that me and everybody I'm here to work with are meant to do together? And that's when you move from a practitioner that just delivers services into a tribal leader that creates movements.
2: Whoa, a tribal leader that creates movements. I love that because it's all about that group. Who are we trying to send the message to and who do we resonate with? And I think that's so important to find, like you said, your vibe attracts your tribe. And I believe that truthfully in this world of marketing and and business, because you're not going to appeal to everyone and you're not meant to. This is why we have a difference in how we eat food and how we see movies, read books. There's so many different variations. And I think that we need to understand that. And I love how you're bringing that to the forefront here. And, And it comes back to what you were saying, being that courageous messenger and also this idea of going back to our core wounds what has made us up until this point? What is our life's PhD? So for our listeners, I want you to think about that. What is your life's PhD? Reach out to Jeffrey so he can see how he can help you navigate and build that map to get to the people you need to get to, because there is someone waiting to hear your message and you cannot be reluctant about it anymore. Jeffrey, one more question for you. What does it mean for you to live a purposeful
0: life? To sing my soul's song fully.
2: I love it. To sing your soul's song fully. And Jeffrey, that's why you are the courageous messenger. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: You got it, Adrian. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to The Purposeful Life Show with your host, Adrian Starks. Subscribe to the show and connect with Adrian on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Learn more about the host and his change making perspectives at adrianstarks.net and download the podcast on your favorite platform to be inspired by more life changing content. It's time to be a courageous creator of your own change and be purposeful about doing it.